This is Michael Troughton, and you're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 503 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where Sarah Jane Adventures beat that ghosts show to the airwaves by at least a decade, but it wasn't quite as funny. I'm Julie. I'm Kier. I'm Haley. And I'm Jay. This week, as we enter the autumn season in the U.S., we enjoy a good old-fashioned ghost story told through the lens of a science fiction show that refuses to acknowledge ghosts. A mad magician from centuries ago is connected to seemingly paranormal activity in an aging estate in the United Kingdom. Sarah Jane and the kids are invited in by the nerds over at the Pharos Institute to provide help to the investigation. Textbook ghost behavior begins, including frequent appearances by the Marchwood family from the 17th century. The father of that family actually starts to side with our heroes to try and thwart the evil Erasmus darkening. Sarah Jane uncovers the far more plausible truth of the matter as being an ill-tempered alien using a faulty trans-dimensional accelerator to try and return home, and has been trapping people for centuries now in an attempt to live forever as a consolation prize. You took innocent people and dispatched their living souls to the netherworld. But tonight I end this curse. Energy can neither be created or destroyed, only changed. Every time Lord March would attack that creature outside, you absorbed its energy. That's why the EMF meets us, but electricity creates its own magnetic field. You're trapped out in an absorbing. And just turn him into electricity. But he has to step into a trap. What about Marchwood? If he's in it, he'll be destroyed. In my mind, this episode is a nice touchstone into the Doctor Who universe because of the time travel feel to it, and some of the great names, I think, as well. So Erasmus Darkening, the Marchwoods. Do we feel that this could have been more prominent, or did it fit really nicely without gobbling up the story and confusing things? I really appreciate a story that tells us who the bad guy is at the very beginning and doesn't change it, and... There's no ambiguity (laughs) that the guy with the last name Darkening is going to be the bad guy. (laughs) That's true. And that leather helmet. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the funny thing is because we, as soon as we started watching this one, we're we're looking at it and going, oh, he's familiar, familiar, why he looks so familiar. And then not only is he familiar because he was in a Doctor Who episode, but he was extra familiar because he was in a Doctor Who episode as a Time Lord with the Skullcap helmet on. So, hey, you find a look, 
Stick with it. He also had similar wardrobe in Game of Thrones because he's a British actor. So, yes, he was in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. That's probably where I recognize him most. Oh, no. I'd pick him up as been. the president. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. The the This kind of went along with something that I had on, on my uh, sort of... A hit list of, of discussion points because the the time travel aspect of it I get um, I get a little bit of of uh, pseudoscience involved with saying oh this was a dimensional device of sorts that wasn't working but it I don't know that it was metered out to us as the viewing audience in the right levels or at the right times. To, uh, so that it seemed like 75% ghost story and 25% little sci-fi reveal. And I, I guess I was hoping for a little bit more of a balance, knowing that Sarah Jane came into this whole thing saying, no, the paranormal hootie who is just science that we haven't, you know, magic is only a science we haven't learned yet, effectively. And I was hoping it was going to lean a little harder into that from earlier in the serial. The the thing that I felt was that it, it wasn't so much that it was 75-25. It was that it was like 95% ghost story. And then they started sprinkling in like, oh, no, wait, maybe there's sci-fi. And then the last like five minutes was like, okay, it was never a ghost story. It was all sci-fi. And this is why. And it just it, it was a lot to to make that jump. I, I think that's kind of what always happens with Doctor Who ghost stories, though, because every couple of years we get a Doctor Who ghost story, and it always starts off with, obviously, ghosts. We're going to show you exactly how this is a ghost story. And then at the very end, it's like, nope, sci-fi, aliens, space stuff, right? And it very quickly wraps it up so that there's not ghosts in the Doctor Who universe. But it's kind of always a last-minute cleanup. It, it's because they want to be able to tell ghost stories, but canonically ghosts don't exist. So they have to do some hand wavy stuff at the end in order to make it fit, but they still want to be able to tell a ghost story. And it just, it, this is one instance that it just, I, I feel like it didn't clean up very well. So I think that that was kind of related to, to my sticking point on this. And that was the way or the way it was wrapped up and how quickly it was wrapped up. This, suddenly, you know, we jam a sword into the floor and hit it with 1.21 gigawatts and poof. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it's it, it, all of the work that you had done rather rapidly to to put an explanatory layer over this clearly ghost story up to this point. And if you want us to accept that, you've got to give me a solution that is in some way a, a little better connected uh, other than just you know, give it the defibrillator and and call it good, because that then means that we're stuck with the the wrap up saying, oh, but we got the professor back. Oh, but we didn't get all the other lost people back. I kind of wanted to see that be a humanitarian crisis at the end, where mm. all of them are returned. Now you've got people from a hundreds hundreds of years worth of time scoops. That yeah. we're having to retrain them how to be in this world. And I think that would be, that could have been episode three. And I would have loved to watch that and just see how that plays out. And then we have this ancient disease that's been eradicated that's all of a sudden back because <laughs> yeah. of Timmy there. 
Oh, man. The plague again. Well, that's that science says that you could let them have lost that in this time dimensional because, hop yeah, because that they were, they were in. converted to energy and then back to matter. They don't bring any diseases with them. There, yes. I hand wavium to that for you. <laughs> but even taking the, I mean, I don't know how the heck you would possibly work it into the script, but saying all the people that had been uh, stolen, by the way, nice pull in the time scoop, plus five points for Julie on that classic Who reference. The fact that they came to terms with their fate and just wanted rest, whereas the professor had no idea what was going on mm-hmm. um that maybe that could have been worked in somehow if you didn't have a more graceful way of 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 getting through this but yeah um if you if you didn't want to have the whatever that sci-fi show was where the people disappear you know 500 random people disappear was it called the 500 no the 4400 4400 right i knew it was a big number with a bunch of zeros in it i don't think i actually watched it clearly i didn't watch it it went off the rails oh <laughs> as most do but yeah, so that was, uh, I, I think I would, have, I would have swallowed this a little better. So one of the other things, like we as the viewer knew at the end of the day, it's not going to be ghosts because we're watching Doctor Who and there's not ghosts. But Sarah Jane was almost aggressively skeptical in the first half of the story. Does that really make sense with everything she's experienced in her time on Doctor Who, in her time on Sarah Jane Adventures? Personally, I think, so because of everything that she's experienced she's coming at this hard sci-fi you know that that's that's her thing um and that's why she sort of gets a little uppity with toby she gets a little uppity with the professor she's kind of snarky about everything that oh that, that must be until she starts seeing the the pages flip in the book and that's when she starts to get a little bit rattled but up until that point no she's she's stoic I actually liked her arc in this because she was so against it. She came around a little bit, like clearly there's something and it's not easily pinpointed. And it, it took her a minute to really accept there's that there could be other explanations. I mean, she's always looking for the alien mm-hmm. angle on it, but that she finally did acknowledge that there's something that she couldn't immediately point to this alien, this tech I don't think she ever lost the fact that it is related to something. And then obviously finding out at the end, she, but because she went so far over into the, the scary realm, I, I think I, I would say she was scared that she was able to pull that back and connect on that humane level with Toby and talk to him on a level of like, Hey, what you're doing isn't wrong. There's just other ways to also look at it instead of just, here's your screwdriver on the floor. Like, you yeah. know, there's Gravity. it's all right Ooh. here. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, did, I did like the way that they kind of played it up where she came in just, no, it's absolutely not ghosts. And then goes through the whole thing like, holy crap, ghosts. And then at the very end, she's able to like, you know, brush herself off and be like, see, I told you it wasn't ghosts, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we all have those reactions as adults in our lives. We're like, no, I didn't do it. Yeah, I did do it. Oh, this is the reason why I did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I, I want to talk about Toby though because he like served as kind of a background character but they gave him a really interesting story because through the whole thing he is just his insistence that there is supernatural phenomena going on is like 
it runs through the whole story. And then you do have that moment with Sarah Jane where he kind of explains why this is so important to him. You know, they, there's this event that he had when he was a child and, the, you know, his father is this you know, renowned scientist and all these things. And it's like, it was really kind of interesting learning that stuff. And then it all just gets brushed away at that. Like it doesn't lead anywhere. I'm like, I feel like that is a tee up for another really interesting story. What is this thing that he came across? You know, what, what part does his father play in all of this? It's, I, I feel like there was a lot more that they could have dug into with that character, but because he was meant to be a side character, that's all we got. I mean, does, did that sit? I mean, am I alone in this or what do you guys think? If this were a Doctor Who story, he would have been a companion for one or two episodes and then dropped back off somewhere, is the way I feel about it. I don't know. We've had other characters that were that compelling, that seemed that dimensional, that didn't get their time in the in the spotlight. And I think one of the things that made Toby particularly compelling was that despite being a, a, on the surface a pretty straightforward, okay, this is your nerdy assistant uh, to an already nerdy organization. But the performance by this kid was really solid. He didn't play it like he was, um, uh, you know, he wasn't the stammering, bumbling nerd. He wasn't the nutty professor kind of character. He was a little shy, a little, uh, a little awkward, but like very, very carefully chosen and controlled in a lot of his acting choices. I, I, I found myself really focusing on what a great job this teenage actor was doing. Um, but then, as you said, Jay, the the fact that it was the the missed opportunity to sort of just button that up a little bit or, or give them a little bit of a step forward in this thing that has been driving them for who knows how many years um, is kind of indicative of how the last tiny segment of the, of the second part of this serial functioned. Um, you know, all the attention paid to the first 75% of the, of the writing and editing process. And then the, the end is just a, a mad dash to the credits. So with all of that being said, how does the Eternity Trap compare to some of our favorite Sarah Jane Adventures stories to date? I mean, I feel like it's it it, it was fun. It was enjoyable, especially during the, the spoopy season. But I'd, I have to say, like, this feels like one of the one of the weaker stories that we've seen so far. Yeah. I, I don't want to say that I disliked it. But it was the closest thing to a miss that I think we've had from the Sarah Jane series in quite a while. Adding to that, having one of our characters missing from the story, um, I think, I hate to use the word, but makes this episode feel all the more skippable. Um, (laughs) Did you know why Luke actually wasn't in the cast for this? Because I said he was home studying for exams, but the actor was actually studying for for his exams. <laughs> nice. Ah, super nerd. <laughs> Living up to that character in real life. <laughs> wow, what a method actor. I think that this is one that I've obviously seen it before. I would put it on an every few years Halloween spoopy season yeah, list yeah. to watch, but I wouldn't necessarily put it in the must watch for sarah jane but i think there's enough of a spook factor with the that middle middle section and it gets you into the doctor who universe enough that i think for that i would include it in 
a different kind of rewatch list. Mm, okay. It's, uh, I guess, it definitely has its moments. The The spookiness factor, when it hits, it's uh, really starts getting into its stride near the, the first episode cliffhanger. It's pretty solid. Um, so yeah, for, for that, for that sake alone, or if you're trying to put a collection together of, uh, of, uh, Whovian stories, um, uh, debunking ghosts, uh, I'd probably rank it around there with a curse of the black spot. You know, it's, it's a story. It reminds me of ghost facers kind of. Oh, you could have done this one as found footage. Mm-hmm. That would have been fun with some of the cameras and some of the, the interaction between people. Right. Doctor Who doesn't have a great track record with found footage episodes, so maybe not. <laughs> Blink is amazing, and I feel like that's partially Blink found is footage. The, the other one. Sleep No More? Yeah. Okay. But- <laughs> Fair. Fair. Well, we have... Um, we always have a little bit of news that comes into our hands as a result of each publication of the Doctor Who magazine. And surprising to absolutely no one, uh, we get more so when uh, we have Russell T. Davies as the showrunner. And he's sharing interesting things with uh, with the editors. Uh, and just everybody is, is sort of feeling like they can be a little bit more open with conversation about what they've been doing um, on set and, and off. And this time around, we've got uh, a really interesting little bit of conversation with the three directors of the, again, three specials that we'll be getting in November. I'm so excited for November. <laughs> yeah, I know. We are, we are literally months away. It's great. Yes. Yeah. So the, the interesting thing is that I think they were all interviewed I, I think i'll have to go back and read it again i, I forgot the setup because i was so interested in, in the meat of what was in the thing but they were interviewed together like they're all seated down for a kind of a press junket together so we obviously anytime rachel talley wants to talk we're right there we like knowing how she puts her her uh, her craft into practice but we also got to hear a little bit from tom kingsley and chanya button so the the article laid them out in a different order. I resequenced them so that we can obviously, because I'm OCD, I need to talk about them in order of the actual special airing. So, but take a look at what uh, what Rachel has to say because she mentions the fact that she's been handed things that are outside her comfort zone. Um, she doesn't like working with very very large casts and and big action sequences, like having a, a crowd of people that have to be controlled uh, and she has to do all of that. So she's, she kind of refers to it as embracing the stuff that scares you. And anytime you want to give a challenge to Rachel Talley, I'm all in to see that. Well, yeah. just, just give her more. Yeah. I, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Get her on screen, you know, get her behind the camera more often. Sure. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what she does with this because it, it seems like when she is challenged, that's when that's when you get some of the most exciting stuff from her. So, Not to mention, I think she's handling uh, – she's got the Star Beast uh, special, which is the one that we believe has Beep the Meep and uh, blanking on the name of the – I want to call them the Crass Warriors, but that's not right. The, the, the bug detectives <laughs> who are, who are uh, chasing down all the meeps. So yeah. – yeah, she gets to work with uh with CGI characters uh, and puppets probably. I think it's mostly just that, like you said, 
with Rachel, anything that she wants to do, she'll do well. And if she's putting herself to the challenge and embracing that stuff, I I think we will see great things. And seeing that we'll get an action-packed first episode is really exciting. I think that draws viewers in and we knew that it was going to be. Mm. But then also to know that Rachel's putting the care and love into it that we know she's capable of, that is just, I think, a little bow on a whole package. Yeah. She also mentioned that I think uh, she said that this script from the moment she first ran through it reminded her the most out of the three, because I guess they all, they did a read throughs where they, they got to see all three of the of the scripts. And she said this one had the most classic who feel to it. So, nice. so she drew the, the long strong got to pick first is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, kind I of. <laughs> I don't know. You, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Russell said, yeah, you got first then, crack at these. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When you're a returning superhero like Rachel Talalay, I yeah. think you've earned that right. Yeah. So second special is Tom Kingsley. So he's got Wild Blue Yonder, which I don't think we know much of anything about. This is kind of like the, the big question mark of the three because we know the third one has to do with the, um, uh, well, who we all assume to be the Celestial Toymaker. Uh, so the second special is one where he said he got handed this thing where it's, it's weird, but he makes very specific reference to comparing the tonality of it to aliens and the thing. So that kind of John Carpenter don't know where the threat is coming from being chased by something off camera, that ominous presence. That sounds wicked. Trapped in the base with the monster type of thing. Yeah. Cool. It's going to be my favorite episode. (laughs) If you can tell, I love being scared and having things haunt me. Julie's also double mad because she knows what's going to happen before she actually sees the episode. And I know what is going on. This is incredibly sad day in my life (laughs) (laughs) but then you can feel better about the giggle can we though because if the first two are action-packed and scary (laughs) i think that is a facetious giggle no (laughs) because i think monsters that make you laugh and smile are always a good thing Right. I mean, this could be, this could be, obviously, if if this is what we're dealing with, uh, this is the real shiny moment for Neil Patrick Harris on the cast, right? And this is the one that's going to be the most off the rails as far as what's going on, because it's sort of the bending the, you know, we don't really know what's happening here. You can't trust what's happening. Somebody's manipulating everything around you, sort of a, you know, where is the, where is the, the crease in the mirror? And as Chanya Button's describing it, she said, this is just a, it's, it changes on every page, so to speak. And the, the fact that she knows that f- from what she reads from it, she's saying, this is Russell, you know, peak writer writing at the peak of his abilities, pouring this in. And we know that Russell and his style, when he knows he's got a captive audience and you know, he's going to have a captive audience for what's going to be a regeneration story. Holy crap. Th- this is, he's, this is going to be a mind bender, but it's going to be fun because you've got MPH involved. Yeah. So I don't know if this is going to be so much a scary thing, so much as a what for 60 plus minutes. So with with a regen at the end. So seeing people excited to put others work into production like this from all three of them, the excitement, the, like throwing their all at it. I just 
think that this is going to be a major refresh from what we've been feeling. And I hope that we grab a lot of new or returning viewers who want to know what's this thing been doing, and they're just going to dive right back in with the excitement and what seems like very big, broad stories, which is what really captures people, not having to worry about the minutiae or what did I miss from the last episode or Mm -hmm. did I miss something this time around Mm -hmm. kind of feeling to it. So I'm hoping that it's big and bold and story-driven with all these characters that we know we're going to love. And I hope to a certain degree that it's going to cause some canonical changes that are going to, in in a certain way, and I don't mean to be devil's advocate on this, but maybe I am, that it's going to take some of the people who have been grumbling saying, I'm glad Russell's coming back so we can steer this ship back in the right direction sort of thing. And he's going to come in and say, no, I'm going to continue to flip this car over and over and (laughs) over because I can, and that's what the show is about. So eat it. It's one of those racing spirals and you just keep going around and around and around. He also didn't come back to do the exact same thing he's already done. True. You know, he did that already. He wants to do something else. Yeah. Well, we did get a uh, a tweet uh, and an X. I don't I, I don't know what you call them now. Uh but there, uh, no, there was a calm tweets. Calm tweets. Are are they what what are they? Calm tweets. <laughs> make them make mad. Calm tweets. The message formerly known as tweets. <laughs> yeah. Uh That is so, what I'm going with. Uh, according to a new glitch kind of tweet, um, we are getting a new trailer this uh, this weekend as we're we're recording. Yeah, it's it's another one of those things where they they've gone back to doing the the binary on screen and putting a bunch of binary code up there, and people have pretty quickly been able to to capture and, and extract that. There's even tools out on the internet that'll do that for you. <laughs> um, and it looks like we're we're looking to a um, 23rd of September drop for what should be another trailer as far as you know, because it's such an it's an unusual little time stamp you know at, at 10 after 6 in the evening it's the first break of some show that's running right. or, or exactly. something like that so yeah i mean at that point so 23rd of september puts you two months prior to the anniversary date yes it is yeah. To the day, to, to it the is. Day. It's the 18th, yeah. So, right, so. If that's the first drop, do we do we know yet which sort of weekends we're looking for in November? Or we just know November is what we're... I would think that it's going to peak. Uh, I, I, I would like to hope that they are going to, uh, to do them on consecutive weekends, one, two, three, to land on... Uh, I can't because we talked about this before. It's the fact that it doesn't it doesn't land on a weekend. Well, we will probably find out on Saturday because yeah, I have a suspicion right. they will probably this will be the announcement of the dates that they're going to show. Can you that. imagine we're finding out months in advance instead of the week before? <laughs> right? This is amazing. I just want to put that out into the universe. Keep doing these things, world. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've gotten pinged by a few people recently about a story that's going around that Ryan Gosling is going to be in Doctor Who. Hmm. And this is like the the news article that got sent to me was from the Radio Times. So I was like, all right, let me look into this. Uh, they're quoting their, their, their only source that they have is The Sun, 
who based an entire story off the fact that on the set of Barbie, uh, Ryan Gosling apparently ran up to shooting out trailer, like pounding on the door being like, Oh my God, you're a doctor. That's amazing. I'm such a fan. And then there's a, a post of on Instagram of Ryan Gosling wearing a, a, a non-official doctor who t-shirt with shooty's face on it. Mm-hmm. And all of this came about because Russell T Davies responded to like, put a comment on the Instagram post acknowledging it and saying like, well, of course we're going to have to sue. It's not official. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I remember this bubbling a little bit. Would they, would he go with it just because he wants it to be like a, one of those red herrings he loves so much though? I, well, I think this is somebody saw that comment tied things together and really just blew it out of the water. Yeah, I mean, you you can you can hang a lot on hope, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know necessarily if it would be something where they don't typically cater to gratuitous cameos mm-hmm. and and walk on characters. And they're uh, already using NPH too, so yeah, would that and that really... was calculated. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. I think in this case, it's something where. If anything, I think Russell might have been supporting the the rumor because it's mutually beneficial to everybody. It sort of ties in a lot of the the mm. Barbie um, massive success within an American audience. Yeah. So, <laughs> but what about having? Didn't Shooty not have a lot of lines in the Barbie movie? Uh, no so lines? what if they put? <laughs> Ryan in with no lines just to be like, sure, I'll be in yours, you be in mine. <laughs> just rolls by in a pair of roller skates. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think at the far more likely thing is that Ryan Gosling may get to like visit the set one day when they're shooting. Maybe yeah. walk past the camera in the background just so that he can be like, yeah, I was in an episode of Doctor Who. But I, I don't see this as like a he's going to be a, a guest star kind of thing. Right, right. That'd be cute if it happens, but yeah, yeah. yeah I wouldn't put a quarter down on it. Yeah, definitely. Well, when we come back in a couple of weeks, we're having a game show night. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's been a little while since we've taken game show that everybody knows and screwed up the rules entirely, so that we can play it within our little universe here. So, um. Dusting off that old box of tricks and seeing what I can come up with. Well, this has been episode 503 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Jay saying, why was the alcoholic ghost sad? He lost his booze. (laughs) Oh. Well, this is Kier saying, I ain't afraid no trans-dimensional magic wielding 17th century magicians in skullcaps. Better date it, date it. (laughs) This is Julie saying... Look, I know it's a bit rough, but we've just had dinner. We had goulash. (laughs) And this is Haley saying, and I'm carrying the sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. 
You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. Jacob Hansen. Gallifrey Public Radio is copyright 2023. We'll see you next time.